Welcome to How They Get Stuff Done, where we ask successful people about the productivity habits behind their success. Side effects of listening to this show may include elevated levels of motivation, acute feelings of inspiration, and lasting improvements to your productivity. Now, here's your host, Peter Akis. Hey, folks. Today, I'm speaking with Andrew Barry. Andrew helps people teach better online. He owns and runs a training business in which he helps rapidly growing companies educate their people and their customers. Separately, he works with online course creators, helping them to create engaging cohort-based courses. Andrew also hosts his own podcast titled, How Did You Learn That? Over the past few months, Andrew kept popping up on my Twitter feed. Since I sell online courses, meaning I teach people online, many of his insights resonated with me. I've been interested in how to teach and how to learn better for many years. I remember my theory of knowledge class in high school. In college, I was a teaching assistant for a variety of economics classes, and I also worked in our college's writing center, helping students to improve their papers. Today, of course, I am a productivity teacher. But aside from that, learning is how we grow and enjoy life more, so we should all be interested in how to learn better. Andrew and I discuss why you want to learn from experts as well as from people who are just a little ahead of you, how to capture and keep people's attention in online trainings, how he found the courage to quit his job and start his own training business, and much more. Enjoy the show. Hey, Andrew. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Peter. Great to be here. So I do a little background research on my guests before every episode, and one of the things that caught my eye when I was um, reading up on you know your background was on your Twitter bio. It says that you are an investor in a gym. What is the story there? <laughs> yeah, um, so it's actually a, it's a rowing brand, uh, and which started out as rowing studios in New York City, and is now um, obviously with with COVID they went and they're lucky enough to have been doing this a little bit before COVID, but they went all mm. into the kind of the at home rowing thing. So they make this ah. beautiful at home rower, like a Peloton, uh, you know, but for rowing and there's classes that you can take. And um, the story behind it is I became good friends with the founder. Um, she's uh, was in a, a sort of um, a mastermind group that, that I was in here in New York. And um, we, I helped her out with, with some, some work through my company, Curious Lion, um, helping them create some instructor training. And, mm. uh, yeah, we just became very close. She's got this amazing all, all female, uh, founder team, got to know them really well and just really, really like what they are building. Uh, and yeah, and just also, so it was my first sort of investment in the company and this just felt like a, a right fit where it's like, you know, um, back the, back the jockey. And, you know, like, I really, I really believe Helene, Helene, uh, Helene's a name. She's phenomenal. And I think her and her team are going to do incredible things uh, with this business. So it's very much an investment in, in her and her team. That's awesome. And is this like a mostly for fun thing? Or are you like, oh, you're thinking about more of it from a business perspective? Yeah, I, I definitely would like to get more into it. Um, having, you know, spent the last six months at On Deck now, I've been a lot more into this world of like angel investing and um, mm. startups and all that. So I've, I've started learning a lot more about it. That was very much like I did this last, middle of last year uh, with City Row and it was very much a new thing for me. So I, yeah, I would, I would definitely, I like the idea of making, making bets uh, you know, on, on people that you believe. Cause I think, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I think the creator economy and the builder economy is, 
the future. And I think um, you know now's a good time to to support people as they as they hit that trajectory. Absolutely, and I do want to talk about that. But first, I want to back up a little bit because um, you were a corporate trainer for yeah. quite some time, um, and. You know, when I think of corporate training, I've had some very bad experiences. So, so I, I wanted to ask you about that because I used to work for a consulting firm, which I shall not name. Um, yeah. And there were definitely a couple of times when they were like, guys, we're going to have training. Uh, it's going to be like the whole day or like two days in a row. And they would hire some external person to come in who we'd like never heard of, you know, didn't yeah. ask us anything ahead of time. This person would come in and was just like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to do X, Y, Z. I don't even know, like, it was like, how to communicate better with each other or something vague mm-hmm. like that, you know? Yeah. And then we had to sit through a very cringe day or two of, like, you know, awkward exercises, bad slideshows yeah. and stuff like that. So so that's yeah. sort of my experience with corporate training. Um, what what does good corporate training look like, Andrew? <laughs> so my, my background's in um, corporate uh, in professional services firm which is a very similar to what you just described and mm. it's i will say it's changed in that I, that company actually happens to be a client now of, of my current business um but it's it yeah it's sort of what you just described is the classic like band-aid approach like we need some training this sounds good let's just let's just invest in this and now we can check the box that we yeah. did training and that's not obviously going to do anything it's not going to transform people um so good corporate training is all about transformation and transformation is all about first of all focus on the learner or a focus on the student that's the the key so who are they what prior level of knowledge do they have coming in and then crucially what do we want them to be able to do differently at the end and with that sort of information in mind, you can map out the journey for how to go from where they are to where they're going. Hmm. And then you can start to apply some principles like, you know, connecting, like there must be personal meaning. You, you going through that workshop in your firm wasn't helpful if you didn't actually feel like there was something personal you were going to get out of it or you had like a reason right. to do it, right? So giving learners a chance to connect with what that thing is and be able to even share that with the people putting on the training. Um, there should be peer-to-peer learning that people are learning. For, well, actually, before that, even the prompts to action so that there's like some activity that they've taken, some action in the real world that gets them practicing what they're doing. Right. And then the peer-to-peer learning is the sharing of that, the reflection. There's a reflection in there as well, but the sharing of I did this thing. This is what I learned. This is what This is what I struggled with. And then sharing that with people who had the same struggles and maybe found ways to to overcome them and um, to, that's where you can really accelerate uh, learning in, in corporate environments. Yeah, I love that you emphasize those points because I, I remember some of the good ratings we had were, um, you know, at a consulting firm like where I worked, it was litigation consulting, so a bit different from your management or strategic consulting, but still consulting. And what happened is basically they would have second and third year analysts teaching the first year analysts who were coming straight out of college. That training was very good. That was like the first two weeks I got to the company. I learned so much, you know, but as people who have gone through real projects for a year or two now or maybe three years are teaching you this is an almost an exact replica of a real project that you're going to be doing let's go through it inevitably you're going to make mistakes and then and then they would you know, help you fix the mistakes or they would teach you to anticipate stuff and you already know oh i'm actually going to work on these actual projects so i'm interested there's some use for it you know and 
it's very much like based on their experience of what they were struggling with, which are going to be the same things that you struggle with. And so the contrast was huge, right? As opposed to this outside person coming in is being thrust upon you and you're like, I don't need this. I didn't ask for this. What am, what am I doing here? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so what was it like as a, as a tra- working as a trainer? Cause it was for what, like 10 years or something like that. that you did yeah. that. Yeah. Um, before I answer that, what you just described is the perfect difference between destination and journey content. And your hmm. those people coming in the in, in giving that workshop are giving you a destination. Like this is how to be more effective as a speaker, and they teach you a couple of models and you know whatnot, and you practice them, and you know, and that's fine. That's good because it's it gives you something to react to and something to practice and something to adapt to and see what works best for you. But what yeah. you just described, where you're learning from people who are one or two years ahead of you in the company who are probably working on the same projects as you having just done the type of work you have to do. That's the journey. And that's, that's so powerful because that feedback, those people empathize better because they know they've just gone through all of this. They know where the pitfalls are um, and then they can relate to you better and and vice versa. And so it's, so you've got to have both. You should always have, you've got to have some North star of like, this is how we, this is how we give feedback. This is how we communicate. This is how, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the journey is there to like really bed it in and, 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 and it's like apply it to the job. That's the key. So you're learning from, they like mentors. And so that, yeah, that's the, that's the kind of the destination journey. So that was a brilliant, um, example there, but just to go back to your question about the corporate trainer part, um, it, it, it was, I mean, I got to be the journey mentor, which was fantastic. I got to back in South Africa when, when I was doing this there, I got to fly around the country for three weeks out of every four to go and deliver training. I was in my third year or I was a, a, a new manager. Um, so like fourth year, fifth year, and I was teaching people in their first, second and third years. And it was mm. just, and it was just so much fun. Like we'd go and do these live workshops and you know, it was a five-day event, and it was it was a lot of hard work during the day, a lot of like workshop stuff and practicing, and then we'd also it was a big part of those things. I'm sure it was the same for you, was socializing and getting to know each right. other. And so there'd be like lots of fun events at night, and um, you know, this was in the accounting field, so there was there was definitely quite a few drinks at night um, <laughs> for a lot of these things, and yeah, so it, it was a lot of fun. And I, you know, so three three weeks of the year, and then the fourth week, I would just be sleeping on the couch because it was just so exhausting. Um, you put a lot of energy out there when you're up in front of a, a room full of, you know, 40, 50 people for five days. Uh, but those, those were so much, so much fun. That's what got me, that gave me the bug that, that one made me want to teach and seeing the like light bulbs go off in people and seeing them like be motivated to learn and want to get better at this thing that that was now their job. Um, yeah, that's where it all started. And so these days you do a lot of digital trainings, right? Or at least you're, you're helping people prepare digital training. So I'd, I'd like you to explain a little bit what, what you do there sort of for the consulting side of it. Um, we'll get into the online course a bit in, in a bit. Um, and in addition to describing it, I'm also really curious whether what you just said, like seeing people light up, is that a thing that you get online as well or as much as in person? Yeah. So no, definitely not. Um, the good analogy with this part of it is that it's like writing a book so you're you're a course creator you just launched your, your third course now you know that 
well, first of all, I think I think it's fair to say that writing a book and writing a course, or, 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 put, or yeah, writing a course, are very similar, right? You think mm. of it in chapters. You're delivering information. Yeah. Uh, and but with the course, you go deeper into application, and you get, especially if it's a live cohort-based course, you get that live interaction with your audience. Whereas with a book, you could probably get to more people, but you don't you don't see that. You don't get that that immediate feedback. Yeah. Um, so in the sense that's similar. So with the, the digital training that we do is um, it, it has that same distinction. And then to do the other part of your question was the, the company that the consultancy that, that I have curious lion, we never do one without the other. There's always, um, I mean, that's okay. There's a few clients that only want like pre-recorded content, but our like core product and what we recommend to all clients is you've got to have both. You need a hybrid mm. where, and, and it's very each play a very important role. That digital training is, pre, we call that pre-training. So that gets you familiar with the concepts and the ideas and the frameworks and the definitions and all that kind of stuff that you, can, that you need to use to apply to the real world. And then the live sessions are there to talk about application. So that's typically the facilitator going through a lot of like examples of how to use it um you know stories that kind of thing and then a lot of practice you know in using zoom using breakout rooms that kind of stuff to allow people opportunities to rehearse and practice and get immediate feedback on the what they're doing and then they go and actually take action in the real world and we always do this we do these like two week sprints for for a topic so it's like pre-training on the on the concepts frameworks definitions live session to talk about how to apply it and then to like kind of make a contract with everyone else like this is what i'm going to do to apply it and then in the second week get back together and say what what did you do what didn't you know what what worked well what didn't work well and kind of do a debrief around that which in those sessions a facilitator plays a very passive role just kind of like keeping the conversation going and we find the learners that come this is like senior vp level stuff at some you know pretty big public companies that never have this opportunity to talk about these things and now they're like oh you know this this little like applying some framework to like some you know performance issue in their teams they can really see the benefit of it and then and then the things that they struggle with someone else in in, in the organization had the same struggle and they had you know an approach that they can suggest so it's just it's such high leverage time that these people spend do you feel that it's generally easy to get people to talk in depth about you know, whatever the topic of the training is, or does it take a while for people to warm up? And especially when you're talking about sort of senior vice presidents and whatever, you know, um, I feel like tend to be people who choose their words carefully, you know, is it, is it easy to get people to open up? Yeah, definitely not. No, it's, that's like a big part of the, the special source, I think, of what we do in those, and what, what anybody who does this needs to do in those first sessions to create, you have to create the space for this to, to happen. And that space is characterized by vulnerability you know, first and foremost, by empathy for, for others that are in the room. Um, and, you know, connection, really, like deep connection. And so, the, and the best way to do that is to, is to have people talk and to, you know, use breakout rooms as smaller, intimate conversations and do as many of those as you can early on um, yeah. to just give people opportunities to connect with each other, to, to learn about each other. And like, even stuff that's not related to the topic that they're there to, to discuss. Um, but what it just breaks down the barriers and gets them primed in a way to 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 be in that space that they can uh, you know open up and talk about it and and then then I'll say once you've done that then they'll never stop talking you know that that's <laughs> like 
it's great because they yeah they just never had that opportunity and so once those uh once that connection is there it's just fantastic you just let it run and then uh, and then sort of people do the work for you yeah totally. <laughs> yeah so digitally right i was thinking about this because um i'm a member of a toastmasters club have you, have you heard of toastmasters yeah yeah yeah, yeah it, it's pretty fun i'm i'm the president of my club this year and so for the past year it's kind of sad because we weren't really able to meet in person i think we may have yeah. one in-person meeting sort of at the end of this month before my term as president um oh, <laughs> you know, it's over um and I was thinking about this a lot because we've had a bunch of people that joined our club during the time when we've been doing Zoom meetings. Um, mm. And I feel that those people who have joined are not as close to each other or to me as are the people that I used to see sort of three times a month in person mm. for two or three hours per evening, you know. Mm. Um, and so I really have been feeling this like we we tried very hard to make our online meetings fun and they are fun but they're not as fun as in-person meetings you know mm -hmm. we did a lot to like keep them normally we'd go for two and a half to three hours we were like we can't do that with non i mean it's got to be an hour and a half max you know because yeah. people don't have the attention span especially for people doing this outside of work maybe they've been on zoom meetings like all day long you know so um and so i was just curious if there was anything you know that you have learned in giving both digital trainings and in-person trainings where you could say this is a couple of things that people usually get wrong that kind of prevent connection online as much as you could be connecting. Yeah. Um, so the one big one is that there's like, so you touched on a lot of good points there about zoom, zoom fatigue, you know, where everyone's been, you do it all day and now it's, you, uh, you know, online courses are similar, I think to what you just described. So now you're asking people to spend this extra time, this you know, voluntary time yeah. that they're often paying for, to yeah. be there um to to then yeah to, to to help them like um have have a have a deeper connection so i i think one key thing is that not to go on for too long in any certain state i keep changing it up um there's i don't know if you've heard of, of west cow um she's uh uh she was created no. co-created the alt mba with um with seth godin and, ah. and now it's co-founder of a, of a of a platform called maven and she has this great uh, concept that she's written about called the state change method, which is essentially that it's, it basically talks about this, you know, c constantly mixing it up, like have no, I don't know if she puts, she puts an, uh, actual t time limits to it, but it's like certain periods of time where it's, it's you talking, maybe it's me and you and on some sort of hot seat, uh, you know, so like two people talking and then breakout rooms and yeah. then, people posting in the chat like uh, they take away so you're constantly changing up what people are doing that's super yeah. super key and that's something i definitely saw work really well i think i just finished now 16 live sessions of of uh, the course creator program i ran over eight weeks and the the ones that were the hardest to get through and i think for for people listening was the ones i did a lot more of the talking you know so so that's key yeah. definitely change it up as much as possible um You've also just got to think of it as a performance. It's it's so true. Like you are you are on you got to perform. And and now I'm talking about more like as the host here. But I think right. I think anybody can draw from this a little bit. You know that there's you're like you're on camera. You know it's a it's a different experience. Like you don't you have you've got to be much more deliberate with your body language, your facial expressions, um, all, all of those kind of things, which, um, I think if you bring that energy to it, then, and everyone sort of does that, that helps to kind of kickstart things. Um, so 
yeah, that one's easier said than done, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah, but I'm hearing a lot of things that also apply in person, right? Like mixing things up. Like we even know this in our Toastmasters meetings, right? It's like, don't have one person on stage too often or for too long. Like it will get yeah. boring, you know? Don't have six speeches in a row with the audience not interacting or able to do anything or even just, you know, get their butt out of the seat and like get a glass of water or something. Right. Um, but, but I do think in online meetings, gatherings, whatever, courses, you know, for some reason, like we're not as used to thinking of like mixing things up that way. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's, I, I think maybe that goes back to your point about like boring corporate training that many of us have sat through, which is just, um, just drones on and on and on. Oh. You know? And that's, yeah. uh, yeah. There's a friend of mine, Cam Hauser calls it. It's the sage on the stage versus the guide at your side. And like you, and so trying to think of it being more as the guide at your side, as opposed to the sage and the stage is, is, is a, is a key part of this. And then also just breakout rooms are just so, so key. Like that, that is just such, it's a superpower of any, um, you know, any person who has to facilitate a meeting, I would say even on zoom, just to, like, I did this with my team earlier today and it was for many of them the first time they'd been in a breakout room, which blew my mind. It's like, wow, we should be doing this a lot more often, but just having them go in a room with two, one or two others and to like, we did like three questions today that they asked each other and then that we came back and talked about them. And it was, it was a, it was a team meeting just to like get to know each other. But that, that was, that was the result. You know, it was, it was really, really impactful. So. Yeah. So you mentioned that you now sort of also teach people how to build better online courses. Um, you also mentioned yeah. your team and I want to ask about both of those things. Let's take the online courses first. Um, cool. Can you just briefly explain for the listeners, what is this fellowship that you just finished? Like, what is it all about? Yeah. So, so uh, it was an eight week program to bring together course creators uh, from, you know, from people who had an idea for a course to people who've been running a course for multi many years uh, and and I took them through, like I said, 16 sessions of, uh, we covered these five pillars, basically monetizing, which is everything from like the idea itself to then uh, being able to monetize it afterwards. Um, so validating the idea and monetizing it, scaling the course, the learning architecture or learning design of the course, the student experience, and then the peer-to-peer -peer learning design. Uh, and so it was talking through, so it's very, it was very ambitious. I will say yeah. like a lot of that, like, that's everything. And that's a lot to cover in eight weeks. So it was, it was an eight weeks is a long time for an online course as well. So it's, yeah. and there was 150 people in it. So it was just, Oof. it was just an intense fire hose of information and can, and really awesome. This was one of the best parts. The community was so, so strong and they all dive dived in head first to get to know each other and spend time with each other so there was a lot of deep connections and actually you know people now working with each other and some working for each other and just like awesome partnerships that have developed and, and friendships um and then yeah and then and then all the the content we covered and tried to to also support people in doing the work um but it it, it was it was tough i mean there was a we covered a lot of content in in that period of time and i think a lot of people are now sitting here and the day you know the, the first monday afterwards thinking like this is you know like a bit of relief like needed to to process <sighs> all of it yeah in a in, in a in a really good way because i think that the feedback was phenomenal i mean there was just a lot of um about of uh support today on twitter about this about just people just felt a transformation like they are they're yeah. better course creators for having gone through it and you know what the funny thing peter is that 
I don't know if I don't feel I definitely I'm not solely responsible for any of this. All I did was bring together my experience in doing this as a as a sort of framework for people to go through. And then the community did most of the rest of the work, you know, which which was incredible. And, and you know, I think the team that and I that built that up definitely should take credit for bringing those people together. But once they were together and we had the framework in place, it was just it was just incredible to witness them really like dive into it and start to, uh, you know, just help each other out and, and support each other. And so it was, it was a very strong, very rich experience for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and great inspiration, I think, also for anyone listening who like does any kind of training or online courses. And one thing that struck me is when you're doing corporate training, whether it's in person or, you know, digital, um, a lot of times I think people are, they, they, know each other i mean they may be new employees somewhere right but mm. all these people in this program that you just did like they probably did not know each other before right yeah. so in a sense it's even harder to get them to connect yeah 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 it's interesting like the, i've been in this online course world for a while now and the very beginning of it which is not that long ago you know it's like 2019 kind of thing um and it's you know it predates that a bit but like as things started to really pick up with like building a second brain right a passage a few of these other courses it was still kind of weird back then in 2019 to like jump on a call with a stranger on a zoom call right like that was still kind of you didn't just do that randomly now like it's so normal so if you get thrown in yeah right (laughs) it's amazing and i've certainly seen some of my biggest career success and, and acceleration come from from random meetings that I said yes to and took. And, you know, um, this is a, a good example of it. Who knows where, where, where this conversation ends up, you know? Um, so I think, I think that's, I think that's a big, big part of this now is that people are, are more open to it. And, uh, and so you can, so like, well, our big focus in the beginning of the eight weeks was to, uh, to, to get people as many, as, as high surface area, of the rest of the community as possible. So lots and lots of one-on-ones and opportunities for small breakout rooms with people. Um, before, and then later on, we sort of like got them in groups and like more curated matching and that. But at the beginning, it's very much like a, just get as many as you can type of thing. So you, you get people to see like who they resonate with and and then these, these sub-communities can form. And we would set up, like I mentioned, journey groups. We also set up accountability groups, which is two or three people Hmm. and their goal is just to meet every week and to kind of you know keep keep each other on track and all of that kind of structure helps this community to then move forward with a purpose and and uh yeah some kind of direction yeah well you're doing such a good job pitching this man i should uh, i should see if i can uh, apply to join next time <laughs> you should you should we'd love to have you that's that's how good it is um so h- how did you get into like teaching online like whether it's sort of digital trainings or specifically helping people make better online courses because like you're saying that's much more of a thing now than it was a few years ago but how did you sort of get into that you know going out of the corporate training space yeah yeah so i was it was a a lot of like small transitions at the beginning i i at this company i was at before um we we had an executive education team. So I joined that and started then creating training that we would package and sell to clients. And that was initially a lot of live sessions. And then we would create digital training for them as well. Um, and then, so I, I've also always had this sort of entrepreneurial spirit. And in fact, I remember a back in Johannesburg when I was working in that office, the, we had one of those people, those like, I don't know what you call them, like, 
those companies come and deliver training for us. And mm. that one was actually a really good one. It was like a, it was like a Dale Carnegie, you know, branded thing. And um, I remember the guy that was running the the facilitator said to me after, he's like, "You're not cut out for this corporate life, are you?" And, <laughs> I was like, no, man, this, I mean, yeah, I was still like, it was young and, you know, it was, it was definitely the right thing for the time there, but I I knew, like I knew and he knew. And um, so it was always a matter of time. So this executive education piece was one step. And then friends of mine uh, in South Africa started a hospitality training business and it grew really, really successfully. They moved to Geneva. They had, you know, Hilton Marriott's, um, all of those companies as, uh, clients and then they i helped them open a new york office so i i left um the professional services firm joined theirs and started this new york office i then came up with their learning methodology which was all there it already existed it just needed someone to like formalize what it was basically documented and that that's what i did and then yeah and that's so that was like you know i was still employed but it was like a startup so it was a different type of experience and then I finally had the courage um, after about a year and a half or two years there to to leave and do my own thing. And that's when I started Curious Lion. And, you know, it's funny, like when I started Curious Lion, the, the goal was to to do high quality video production, which is what we were doing for these these, um, these hotel you know companies, hospitality companies, um, but for banks. And I had a friend at JP Morgan and I thought like everything was lined up and I'd probably be able to sign JP Morgan as a client. I've actually never had a bank as a client, like since the beginning. You know, is so that a bucket list item? <laughs> yeah, I, no, not really. I just thought it was just thought like it was this. It was like just seemed like the most viable and definitely lucrative option. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, like it's a no-brainer. We're going to make great video-based training for for compliance stuff in banks because they have all the money, you know. And um, and it, yeah, it just it never never turned out that way. And then what did happen was. Other companies would, I would like writing a bit online and uh, posting and stuff. And someone, some people would find me. It was actually all very lucky at the beginning. Um, then we started doing, so we got a client and we started doing a lot of like software training. So helping for them create training for their customers. And we got a few other companies, clients like that. And yeah, just sort of like one thing led to another. And then eventually um, uh, we, we, we've grew to, to have now like a few public companies that we've, we've worked with for two, three years. We've, we've actually mm-hmm. grown as they've gone public and stuff. So that, that really worked out well for us. So it's just a lot of time of like putting in the hard yards and also yeah. just listening to what your market wants. That was a big, big lesson that I didn't, I thought I had a sense of what people wanted, but they told me otherwise. And we, <laughs> we were quick to, to adapt to that. Um, yeah, and then and then the the end of the story is that like middle of last year, I took Rite of Passage, and of course I mentioned before, mm. for the second time, I was a mentor in that program, um, and really made a few deep deep relationships, friendships with people in that. Carried on sort of doing, and and then oh, and right after that, I just started writing about, basically just applied all of the stuff I knew about creating training for corporates to course creators. So I was yeah. like translating theories and, and things that had worked for me and writing that and just started like, just started putting out tons of content on Twitter. And to, to the to the point that I, now, if you go to my profile, there's like the first pinned tweets in there is like 120 threads on course creation. And that, <laughs> that was over, you know, four or five months that I just put that stuff out there and just started, just started seeing interest and traction. And, and yeah. then 
people with big audiences starting to reach out and be like, Hey, like, you know, can I, can we do Can you chat to me about this? Like I'm, I'm about to launch my cohort and, you know, I'd like to know a bit about it. And so started helping people informally. I basically in return would get free access to their course, which is like a huge bonus to me because I'm like a, addicted to online courses. So, <laughs> so it was great. Yeah. I got to help them. I got to take the course for free, got to meet more people and, and you know, that right. just kept, carried on, carried on inspiring. Yeah, no, that's that's so fun and such a such a such an easy way I think of rolling into this new opportunity and like good timing as well, right? So definitely, definitely. like yeah, perfect Love timing. Love yeah, life. yeah, yeah. But I mean, it sounds like you worked hard for it. So one thing I'm very interested in, I want to I want the listeners to get a little bit of a sense of like how you work. Um, the podcast is after all called How They Get Stuff Done. So you have yeah. um, your can we call it a consulting business? Is that a good way to describe it? The, the training yeah. business. Yeah, yeah, and... yeah. It's consulting and production. We also we also do a lot of production. As well. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Anyway, let's call it the sort of the, the digital training or training business. Yeah. And you just did the on deck course creator uh, fellowship, mm-hmm. right? So, how did you split your time between those things? Like, yeah, um, <laughs> t- uh, not very well. Um, I definitely <laughs> okay. felt like, yeah, like I, I don't, yeah, it, it, you know, it's nothing was perfect by any means um we can make this what not to do if you would like (laughs) yeah no well i mean there's some good lessons in here that the one was having a very strong team to to begin with there's no absolutely no doubt in my mind i could have done this course creator fellowship without having a good team in place at curious line um where yeah i have someone who i was very lucky to come across at just the right time she just came in and just like just took over operations for me at a very detailed level. And that was, that was huge. Um, the sacrifice I made though was not, I, I pulled back on any business development. And so we just focused mm-hmm. on, on current clients. We got some referrals. We still, we were still growing, but just not as, as quickly. Um, but that was a calculated move. Um, and then, and then, so yeah, also, also actually built up a, a very good team and had a, a, an amazing um person jackie who who helps me as the the program manager for this for this thing so so that's first and foremost you've got to have someone as your right hand who's like who's good at the things you're not good at like that's so so key um and then you've got to have you've got to make it fun you've got to enjoy it with them because it gets really hard and and you you have to have that to begin with um and then i'm i'm a big proponent i don't know if you know august bradley um heard of him yeah, so he's got this life operating system that he's developed in Notion, and uh, it's um, yeah. To me, it's I think the best way to describe it is the balance between alignment and action. So uh, one thing I was always really good at before I came across his work, I was always really good at just like cracking out work. Like I can get like very focused and just churn out you know deep work and just get a bunch of stuff done. But I wasn't always doing the right thing. Hmm. And I was doing a lot of stuff I'd like, you know, so it wasn't like leading to me, leading me towards the goals that I, that I was, I'd set for myself. And so his, his approach is a lot, it aligns those two. And so, it, you know, and it's, and it's not actually, I mean, I, I say, you know, he, he's been great cause he's pulled it together and it's created a notion system for it, which, which I use, but it's, it's essentially, it's weekly reviews, monthly reviews, quarterly reviews, and obviously annual reviews. And if you can start this with an annual review, which I did with his, it just sets you up for so much success where it's, you're thinking like, like, what do you actually want in life? Like, what are the top priorities you want to have? You know, 
So when you have that kind of high order alignment with what you're doing, you can then, and you, fit, and you tra trace that all the way through and you have a system that allows you to connect that with like the goals that are going to get you there and then the projects that are going to get to those goals and then the tasks that you need to complete those projects, then you can just sit down and put your head down and just crack out those tasks, you know? So you, I don't, I don't know. I no longer feel like I'm wasting or like I'm maybe going down the wrong path. I mean, you know, that happens because maybe the goal was wrong and, and that's fine. You, you recalibrate that type of thing over time. But like, that's been huge. I would say to, to really be able to like head down and then head up every now and then with those reviews and then head down and head up and, that balance has been key. Yeah, I love that you brought this up because like what you're describing, that's the whole purpose of the course that I just released yesterday. The entire oh, purpose is to do this. So I like, I'm like, i sitting there and I'm thinking, wow, I should like use that language on my sales page. Feel <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, free to take it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure the details are different from August Bradley's system, you know, but it's that same thing where like, you know, some people are naturally good at like, like you at just like, sitting down and actually getting shit done but you know you can run really fast in the wrong direction and you want to yeah. make sure you don't you don't do that so yeah. um yeah. good problem to have but still a problem um yeah. and so one thing i'm curious about is you said that you gave up some business development to make time for these two other things you had going on right making sure that your um training business kept running but also that you could be the program director for the fellowship did you say ahead of time I'm going to give up business development for a while to make space? Or is that just kind of like, as you went, you were like, oh crap, this is a ton of work and yeah. you just didn't get around to it? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, so I don't think, so I never, like, so it's, I basically replaced it because I, I saw, and it's, this is what happened, is that the opportunity to work at, at a company like On Deck and, and, because I um, this, this part of the story I hadn't talked about, we can get into this if you want, but I had announced already on Twitter that I was going to create this online course. And then on deck came to me and said, hey, sounds like you, you know, they wanted a course on courses. It sounds like you're like the guy mm -hmm. who's working on that. Like, should we get together and do it? And then, um, and so I launched it. So I, I knew that, and I, I, there's no chance in hell I would have ever met 150 person cohort on my own in four months. Like I, under no illusions, if I had 20, I would have been very, very happy with that and like yeah. try to build it over time. But so I had this great opportunity to elevate my uh, profile, you know, through, through their network and, yeah. uh, and the network of all the people that work there. And I knew that that was while I was giving up, uh, business development activities for curious line, I knew this would have like an overall spillover effect in terms of just promoting my right. profile. So, yeah. I, I did think of it intentionally and I, I didn't think I was that like, completely ignoring it either. Right, right. No, but this is such an interesting thing to consider because one thing that I often run into with my students is they like, you know, I'm like, okay, what do you want? And like we translate some goals into like key projects or action steps. And then I'm like, okay, so what are you not going to do then? Now that we've identified this additional yeah. thing, and a lot of the times people are very reluctant to give up on anything. I'm like, totally. okay, well, what are you going to do then? Are you going to work more hours or what? Like you're, you're going to yeah. have to give something up sort of by definition. Yeah. Um, even if it's just being on Twitter, right? It can be whatever. Yeah. One of the benefits of, of, I think sounds like what you teach is that you, you see it all there and you're just like, I, there's right. no ways you can do all of these things. So you have to give some of them a lower priority or uh, put on hold status, you know, like someday maybe status. That, that is the hardest part for so many people is like, I'm always yeah. like, okay, are you going to work on this in the next two weeks or not? 
If not, yeah. why don't we just put it on hold for now, right? So that's kind yeah. of like at a very at a very low level, right? Because um, mm-hmm. a lot of the times people are like, here's 400 tasks that I'm theoretically going to work on soon. And I'm like, you will not. You will not complete right. all of these 400 in the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it can be tricky because people don't want to give up on something. Almost some, some things can feel like your baby or, you know. You yeah. know. Totally. totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Changing tax here a little bit because I'm very interested in this. Um, for your training business, um, mm-hmm. you, I, I looked a little at your website, A Curious Line, and you, um, you offer... I think what we might call productized services. Um, So there are services that you offer where the scope is very fixed, right? So it's, you know, you can go on your website and say, um, for this price, we will do this for you. Right. Um, Can you, can you just briefly describe like what, what that is? um, Like what those options are. And I'm very curious in how you develop those from just generally helping folks, whether it's consulting or production, um, how did you go to, hey, let's make this into a productized thing? Because that's something I'm, I'm just fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I'm really glad that that's, that came across, that comes across in the, in the website, because that's very much a transition. Um, that's probably happened in the last year mm. or so. But Because um, at the beginning, it was like, we'll just do anything for anyone. Like, whatever you want, yeah. we'll, we'll make it. And uh, and that, I think, is how a lot of businesses start out. And it's good because you learn a lot of different things. And most importantly, you hear what people want. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and then you can you start to see patterns. And, and, yeah, so that's essentially what I went through that process for a good few years. Um, yeah, so what it is is, so first of all, we also, everything we do is custom. So we don't do, we don't have any off-the-shelf stuff. You can't come and, like, get training for new hires or, or onboarding training that's like pre-packaged it's all custom which is a big Mm. value add for a lot of the companies we work with right pinterest has a very specific way that they want people to learn how to i mean obviously their systems and processes and culture but then even just like how they interview people we're doing one now for their their um, recruiting teams and it's yeah so they have a very specific so that that level of customization is very important but Mm. obviously i couldn't my, you know that was that's a lot of like to scope out a project like that every single time yeah and let it go wherever the client wants it to go is like that's not a business that can really grow very it's quickly exhausting or, right <laughs> totally exhausting as well yeah uh you're starting from scratch every single time so so that was obviously the impetus behind it and basically what i started to see was that a model that really works for this and that once and the model you can drop in whatever content you want is a model that's actually very similar to a cohort-based course, which is, you know, some some videos or e-learning or like the digital stuff we talked about that you watch ahead of time. We talked about this earlier, and then the like the live sessions, and then the, the kind of the debrief sessions. And so we've we've taken that broad approach and packaged it in a way that that so basically what what our clients are getting is a six-week sprint. That's three sprints over six weeks. And it covers usually like six topics uh, and, and it mm. works really well with things that are inherently cohort based. So transitional stuff like onboarding, new, you know, new hire onboarding, new right. manager onboarding, that kind of stuff where people benefit from like going through it together and, and get they benefit from like the relationships, the practical applications. So they actually go and take the steps necessary to get onboarded in whatever it is. Um, and then they benefit from, I said, relationships. Yeah. Then, and then it, it's scalable. And the beauty of why it's scalable is that and once they understand the model, uh, 
we, we can come in and help them create whatever content they need to keep feeding the model. But now we've essentially built the model for them and we can help them fill it with content. But also the model is understandable enough that they can, the best way to do this is the second time they run it, use alumni from the first one to basically be your facilitators. And mm. now like we're at a company like, like Pinterest that has thousands of employees, we can, and we typically recommend only doing sort of 20 to 30 per cohort. They can quickly scale that to, to that level though, by having, you know, once they've done one, they can run, you know, potentially 20 of, of the same thing the next time and get to yeah. everyone. Um, and so, yeah, so it's very, it's very scalable um, as well. So relationship focused, practical and scalable. And that, those are the key things for, for a lot of companies now. Yeah. And how did you like decide, okay, let's, <laughs> you know, let's go away from like whatever you want, you know, we'll do it for you too. Okay. You know, was it, was that like you sat down with your team and you were like, okay, guys, we need to have some more structure here. <laughs> or was it just, did it just seem yeah. like an easier way to talk to your clients and be like, this is something we can do for you. Just make it easier to explain like what, you know, what's the value you're adding. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was actually a conversation with a client. Um, the the longest client we've had uh, is a company called PagerDuty here here in the states. There, San Francisco based, went public last year, and we've been clients of theirs for like they've been clients of ours for like three years. So I've already and and I, so PJ, she's she's the head of talent there, and she um, when she started in her role is when her and I met. So it was like we sort of have grown up t together in in a, her and her role and me in in, the, in my company. And it was in a conversation with her. I was like, hey, I've got this like, crazy idea that I've been thinking around. It's called the Curious Lion Learning Flywheel. And like, the, it's a flywheel idea that's designed to create this culture of continuous learning. Because like, once you get the flywheel moving, it pretty much can sustain itself and people um, learning throughout the year. And she was just like absolutely obsessed with this idea. Loved, loved the thought of it. And so the, and she would, she was like, let's brainstorm it together. And so we just did a whole bunch of sessions outside of the, the project we were working on at the time to brainstorm this. And so she was extremely helpful in terms of making it the concept real to, you know, her users, her, which are our, our customers, essentially the, the learners, the employees at a company. And um, yeah, so that was, that was huge. Like it was basically, you know, a, a very much collaborative effort with her and, um, yeah, and, and so we're actually going to be we're going to be presenting it together at a conference in in San Diego in, in a few months. Um, she's been a, a huge part of that, and and I, I yeah, so that's kind of to answer your question. It was very much from a, a conversation with an existing client. That's fun. Is that going to be an in-person conference that you're going to? It actually is. It's um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm excited. It's um it's the ASU GSV Summit. Um, it's in, in San Diego in August and yeah, first time I've been presenting in front of a room for, I don't know, since when, two years probably. I will, I will wish you a lot of luck trying to get rid of some of that rust. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. It's going to be weird walking around tables and like people sitting and yeah, looking forward to it. It'll be very, um, very weird at first. Well, it's yeah. been lovely to talk to you about a bunch of uh, things, Andrew. Um, that's all the time we have for today. Um, before we go, is there anything that you would like the listeners to check out, whichever side of your life they're most interested in? Well, I, I would definitely encourage them to check out your course because it sounds like it's something that's um, very, it was very beneficial to me, this whole concept. So I definitely would plug that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say um, go, so definitely Twitter is the best place to find me. Um, I'm Bazaruto on there, B-A-Z-Z-A-R-U-T-O. 
and I respond to all my DMs. So if you have any questions around course creation, that is uh, definitely the, the place to go. And if you're interested more in the corporate stuff, the flywheel idea, um, you can reach me at, uh, through the Curious Line website um, or I'm just Andrew at CuriousLineLearning.com. And I'll make sure to put all of those links um, in the notes for this episode so people can find you easily. Um, awesome. Thank you very much, Andrew, for coming on. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Hey, if you like the show, subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you rated the show on Apple Podcasts. To find out more about Peter or about today's guest, check out the show notes. Thank you for joining us on this episode of How They Get Stuff Done.